Oh, good morning, everybody. I've got one person approaching me at speed. John, do you want to say something? John is seeking two people to help with communion, apparently. So if you're able to <clears throat> administer, that would be wonderful. Thank you very much. That's all. Well, welcome to our 9 o'clock service. Lovely to see you. Uh, uh, on uh, It's a rather windy day out there, isn't it? And cold, obviously. Um, our theme today is Jesus Came to Save. J uh, James Hineson is our preacher. We're looking, uh, continuing our series looking at uh, the letter of 1 Timothy. And James, as I said, is preaching a little bit later. Uh, apparently there is a technical problem. So if you're with us online, you'll be able to uh, hear but not see. So um, we apologize for that. But uh, hopefully that might be restored as the service goes on. Um, but uh, that is if you're watching with us online. Uh, after this service, we have an all-age service at 10.45. Very welcome to stay for that. Um, Mark also needs some help to get the hall ready for sunbeams tomorrow, um, as John Ashton is away today. Um, so if anybody's willing and able to help Mark with that, please see Mark after the service. And Susie, if you'd like to say something. Good morning, everybody. I don't know how many of you received our newsletter at Christmas, but I know there were no dates about when we would go to Kenya. And actually, we're going to be leaving a week on Tuesday. We fly out from Heathrow. So we'll be leaving, I think it's, I can't even remember the dates, but we'll be leaving next week to go to Oxford for the night with some friends, and then we'll get the bus to Heathrow. And then we come, we fly back from Kenya on the 29th of February. And so that's a four-week stint for us, just over three weeks in Meru with the pastors. And then we're paying a visit to our friends, Peter and Selfa, who run the um, Baby Life Rescue Center in Mombasa. We want to go and see how they're doing as they continue to rescue babies. Their latest baby was thrown off a ferry by its mother. And uh, mercifully, it was saved, and Peter and Selfa ended up with it. And they have many stories like that in their history, so it'll be good for us to see them and encourage them. So if you'd like to pray for us when we're out there over the next month, that would be really fantastic. And thank you. Thanks, Peter. So is there another Sunday before you go, Susie? Just getting that right. So is there, is there a Sunday before you... Right, so we'll be praying for you particularly next, next Sunday. So would you like to stand and we'll sing our first hymn, O Praise Ye the Lord. Let's stand and sing together.
Do be seated. And so we'll join in together saying our prayer of preparation. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we come to a time of repentance, and uh, do join in the words in bold type as we say sorry to God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked abandon their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Turn back to the Lord, who will have mercy, to our God, who will richly pardon. So let's have a moment of quiet before we say our confession together. And so we pray. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse you from your sins and restore you in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Collect for the third Sunday of Epiphany. God of all mercy, your Son proclaimed the good news to the poor, release to the captives and freedom to the oppressed. Anoint us with your Holy Spirit and set all your people free to praise you in Christ our Lord. Amen. Paul is going to bring us our Bible reading. The reading is from Paul's first letter to Timothy, and you can find it on page 1191. We're reading from chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, 
of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Among them are Hemenias and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. This is the word of the Lord. And so before James comes to preach, uh, we'll sing, Open Our Eyes, Lord, the song uh, twice through. Do stand to sing. So let's pray for James, shall we? Father, we pray that you would bless James as he comes to speak from your word. Indeed, open our eyes, Lord. We want to see you. And open our ears so that we can hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, good, good morning, everyone. Um, just looking at the clock here, which says quarter past ten. Um, right. 
so we've already finished. Um, <coughs> anyway, welcome everybody, and, and it's really great to, to be here um, sharing some thoughts from, from this third uh, message in this series on 1 Timothy. Um, Peter kicked off a few weeks ago by introducing the, the letter and the charge that, that um, Paul was giving to Timothy. And then last week, uh, John preached uh, about, uh, talked a lot about sin and, and grace. And I'm afraid there's more of the same this week, more about sin and grace. So, and because those are two big themes, aren't they, um, that Paul has in nearly all of his letters, uh, the fact that we are sinners and we need the grace of God on us and and <clears throat> he kind of comes to that in in these these verses that we're looking at from 12 uh, to 20. Do you know I sometimes wonder um, what people did when they had a letter from Paul I mean I guess it came in a scroll I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert but you know it would have arrived wouldn't it and and Timothy would have opened it maybe he was expecting it maybe he wasn't um, but it must have been quite exciting um, we know that, that, that Timothy was in Ephesus, that Paul had left him there. Um, Paul, I think, was in Macedonia, in, in Philippi. So he'd written this, this letter, quite a long letter, um, to, to, to Timothy, where he'd left him in charge of the church in, in Ephesus. Um, was he expecting one? Would he have read it through quickly and then gone through it bit by bit? I, I, I don't know. Would he have sat down over a meal? Would he have invited friends around? Um, but it's a fairly tough letter for Timothy, isn't it? You know, Paul doesn't mince his words. You know, as, as Peter said in, in the first message, he jumps straight in with this command to tell certain people not to preach false doctrines any longer. I mean, Timothy must have said, oh, no, God, you know, I'm, I'm quite a shy young character. How am I going to do that? That must have been quite a shock, I guess, uh, for Timothy. That's a tough job. But then we come to this section which is far more personal. Paul is sharing his personal experience with um, Timothy about sin and grace. And Timothy must have been far happier reading this um, than, than reading the really tough commands that, that Paul had given him. And there, there are kind of two themes I want to look at this morning, um, summed up by uh, verse 15, which says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's one of the things I want to look at. And then also then in, in the previous verse, I want to look at the fact that Paul says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Those are the two things I want to look at. And, and the first of those, um, here is a trustworthy saying, is, is, is thought to be an early part of liturgy. It's, it's an early statement that possibly... Um, the church at those times might have taken much as we take um, statements to say. Maybe they'd have started off um, some of their services or some of their meetings with that statement. So we'll kind of kick off with that statement, that Christ Jesus came into the world uh, to save sinners. And what I want to do is almost take that statement word by word and, and look at each of the words and obviously it's a sentence, obviously they relate together, but I'd like to kind of look at each word. And, and the first thing is Christ Jesus came. Christ Jesus came into the world uh, to save sinners. So you, we've just celebrated that, haven't we? At Christmas time we celebrated the fact that Jesus Christ came into the world 
Um, and the thing I want to emphasize is the fact that Paul uses this kind of double-barreled name. He doesn't just call him Jesus, which was a fairly common name at the time, and even today um, people are called Jesus. He calls him Christ Jesus, because Jesus was not just a man. He was a man. He was a person that came onto this earth. But he was Christ Jesus. And that word is really important because, um, just making sure I don't get this wrong, uh, it comes from the Greek, Christos, which means anointed one, which comes from the Hebrew word, Messiah. And Messiah is the promised one. All the Jews would have known and would have been expecting and looking forward to uh, the Messiah coming. And Jesus called himself the Messiah. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And the disciples knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself. Um, you know, if you remember in John chapter 1, when Andrew invited Peter, he said, come and, and meet the Messiah, this man who's told me everything about myself. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a human being, but he was God. He was the Son of God. And it's God himself who came down onto earth to save sinners. Jesus claimed to be that son of God. And that's an amazing thing that we need to kind of meditate on and think about and, and keep hold of. Lots and lots of people um, think, you know, lots of people believe in Jesus. They believe he was a historical figure, but they just believe he was a good man. He was a moral teacher. He said lots of great things that we should remember and take hold of, like loving your neighbor and, and all the kind of things in the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus was much more than a good man. And, and at the moment, I'm reading quite a lot of C.S. Lewis stuff. Um, and C.S. Lewis had this wonderful statement here. Um, and I'm going to read part of it. He said, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people say about Jesus. People often say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And C.S. Lewis says, that is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil. You must make your choice. In other words, he's not left us open. Jesus hasn't left us open to thinking he's just a man. He is God. And it's God that came down on earth. Christ Jesus came on earth to save us. And that is an amazing thought that we should kind of hold on to and meditate on. And then Paul says, uh, Christ Jesus came into the world. And, and that's another amazing statement when you think about it. You know, when you look in detail at these verses, they are really uh, incredible statements that Paul is making. Uh, he was born into the world. God physically came down into the world and had a global mission. Um, you know, in verse 4 of chapter 2, God, our Savior, came unto earth. He wants all people to be saved. All people. And that's a message throughout um, the word of God. God wants everyone to be saved. And Jesus came into the world to save everyone. Um, one of the commentaries said he was possibly the world's first kind of global personality, as, 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 he, as it were. 
Um, and and in, in kind of reading some of the commentaries, some of them note that, um, I don't know whether you remember, but was it John Lennon from the Beatles, who one stage said that, that the Beatles were kind of more popular than Jesus, bigger than Jesus. Well, not only were the Beatles wrong, um, they might have had a global music mission, but Jesus had this kind of global mission to save sinners. And that's exciting because here at Christchurch, um, we are part of that global mission. We're part of God's global mission to save sinners. And, and another quote from C.S. Lewis, because Paul gets very personal, and I think this is, is, is an amazing statement, because basically Paul is speaking about himself, and, and C.S. Lewis says the word world sounds a little bit impersonal. But C.S. Lewis said, Christ died not only for the world, not only for man generally, but for each man personally, just as if each man had been the only man there ever was. In, in other words, Jesus came to save sinners, and he, he offers that opportunity to the whole world. But just imagine for a moment that you were the only person in the world. Jesus would still have had to come, and Jesus knows you personally, as a sinner, saved by grace. And, and you know, I know that um, in, in the kind of all-age services last year, we had a series on superheroes, didn't we? Um, I don't know what the theme is, 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 is this, this, this year, but uh, Jesus is a kind of superhero, but he's, he's a personal superhero. You know, if you've seen these superhero movies, You've seen kind of Superman saving a city or saving a country. Superman doesn't know everybody in that city or country. He always knows the little girl who comes to him at the end, so there's a kind of awe factor in, in the film. But, but Jesus is different. He knows us individually. He has saved us individually. So Christ Jesus, God, came into the world <coughs> very, very personally to save us. And then it says there, Jesus, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And uh, again, from a commentary, because I don't speak Greek, uh, you could translate that, uh, Christ Jesus came into the world, sinners to save. And I prefer that order. I prefer that order. And <coughs> I prefer that order uh, in, for the same reason that C.S. Lewis um, prefers that order. So if I could find the quote from C.S. Lewis again, sorry. A lot of C.S. Lewis reading. I really would recommend it. Um, C.S. Lewis says that many people have an almost total absence from their mind of any sense of sin. The fact they are guilty before God. And he went on to say that our job is to convince hearers of the diagnosis before we can expect them to welcome the news of the remedy. I'll, I'll read that again. <coughs> C.S. Lewis said that people have an almost total absence from the mind of any sense of sin, the fact they're guilty before God. And our job is to convince hearers of the diagnosis before we can expect them to welcome the news of the remedy. And, and I, th I think that that's our job. We can talk about salvation, we can talk about the love of God, but unless people have that fundamental realisation of their position before God, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, in a sense, means less to them. 
Paul knows he's a sinner in, 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 sorry, in, in verse 12 and verse 13. He says he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. He knows that he has broken the law that, that John kind of described so well uh, last, last week. I don't need to read the kind of earlier chapters outlining that definition of sin. Sin is breaking the law. And it's not just breaking the letter of the law, because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus kind of expanded what the law was, didn't he? Um, you know, and make it even more difficult to obey, um, make it easier to be a sinner, in, in a way, because, you know, he pointed out, for example, that, that you know, do not murder is not just do not murder, but it's also thinking bad thoughts of other people. Uh, do not commit adultery is not just committing adultery, but it's actually looking lustfully, looking in the wrong way at, at somebody else. And Paul knew that he was a sinner. Sin is not just a checklist like the Ten Commandments or Commandments, but sin is something uh, within our hearts. And we have to ask ourselves, do, how, how much do we consider ourselves a sinner? Paul uses this amazing statement, doesn't he? He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And he says that phrase twice. He considers himself to be the worst sinner. And I think that's a bit strange in a way um, because he probably actually wasn't the worst sinner. But he considered himself the worst sinner. And I wonder if we consider ourselves the worst sinner. He was pretty bad, but he probably wasn't the worst in, in the world, certainly not in the history and what was to come. And I think it's really important that when we think about our sin, we just think about us and our personal relationship with God. I don't know whether you remember the, the, the parable Jesus told about um, the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple. And... <clears throat> the Pharisee was comparing himself to other people. He probably knew he was a sinner, but he says, I thank God I'm not like other people looking at the tax collector. He was comparing himself with others. He wasn't like Paul. He didn't think of himself as the worst of sinners, whereas the tax collector probably did. He said, God have mercy on me, a sinner, which could also be translated the sinner. So I think it's really important that when we think about our relationship with God, we don't just think about, <coughs> we don't compare. We think of ourselves as the worst sinner. And I think that's really important because it, it kind of increases and emphasizes the damage that sin does to our relationship with God. Sin is not a relative thing. And, and if I think, for example, my sin isn't as bad as other people's, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not bad, um, certainly not as bad as him, but probably not as good as her. If we think like that, it's almost like saying, you might disagree here, I don't need saving as much as that other person. My sin isn't so important as that other person's sin. It's almost as if we're downgrading sin and the importance of it if we compare with other people. And if I could be as bold to say, it's almost as if we're downgrading the sacrifice that Jesus made. And I think if we downgrade our sin, if we don't think ourselves as the worst of sinners, <clears throat> then maybe we can't 
fully appreciate the amazing fact that we can be saved from that sin and the enormity of God's sacrifice for it. And then notice Paul also said, I am the worst. Not I was the worst, but I am the worst. In other words, it's in the present tense. And I think John mentioned this last week. We have been saved from our sin, but we are still sinners. Uh, And and I think that's really important to to recognize. Jesus has sacrificed himself for us, but we are still sinners. But the great thing is, we are forgiven sinners. We are sinners who have that relationship uh, with God. And I know last week John quoted a a verse from Paul who says, the good that I want to do, I don't do. Paul recognized that. And if Paul recognized that, then so should we. And of course, there's a health warning here. Um, Paul doesn't let his knowledge that he is the worst of sinners stop him from serving God. He doesn't kind of wallow in, in the fact that he's a sinner. He's not like kind of Uriah Heep, who's kind of always being humble. He's not always sitting in a corner saying, I'm the worst of sinners. No, he goes out and does stuff uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though we think we're the worst of sinners, we're not unworthy. <clears throat> we can serve God, and God loves us. So here is a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus, God, came into the world to save sinners, to save sinners, to save me. He came to save sinners. And, you know, that is the amazing message. You know, talking about sin can be a bit depressing, can't it? Um, But the message doesn't end there because we have this good news. We talked about sin first because we need that diagnosis before we can have uh, the the remedy. (coughs) And we have the remedy the remedy of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that God pours out, pours out abundantly, grace, faith, and love that are in Christ Jesus. But just to dwell a little bit on that word saved, because saved means you're saved from something. Um, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to save something, to save people. Um, And basically, it's to save us from the punishment that our sin really deserves. God demands that we love him and obey him. And if we don't, if we continue in sin without coming to him, then there is a consequence to that. And we can be saved from that consequence. We can be plucked from the consequence that our sin deserves. A bit like you might have read a few weeks ago about that guy who jumped into the river in Birmingham and plucked that mother and her baby from a car that was kind of stuck underneath a bridge. Uh, You know, amazing kind of way he saved her. Well, God has done that for us. He has plucked us from that punishment that we deserve through his grace. And his grace, grace is just unmerited, totally undeserved favor that God has poured out on us. And once we realize our sin, once we realize our position before God, then God can pour out, and if we acknowledge that, God pours out his grace um, on us, and we can have that uh, great relationship with him and serve him. And notice, that grace is amazing. Uh, The grace of our Lord has poured out on me abundantly. It, It wasn't just a kind of, little bit of grace reluctantly but it was all God's grace is kind of poured out it's like a river of grace kind of sweeping us away 
And you know, if we could think of ourselves as the worst of sinners, we can also think of grace being the best of grace uh, that's poured out on us. It's, it's difficult to explain, but it, it's, it's not like, you know, all of us have walked through a very thin drizzle, haven't we, where you don't really get wet and you wish, oh, I wish it would rain or not rain. <coughs> you get a little bit dumb. Um, and we experience that quite often. It, it's, not, it's not that kind of, grace isn't that kind of rain. Grace is like the monsoon. In India, I've, I've been in a monsoon, and maybe some of you have travelled have as well, where even if you've got the best coat and best umbrella in the world, you still get sopping wet because the rain is just tipping down on you. You can't escape from it at all. And that's the kind of grace that God is pouring out on us. Not a reluctant, thin little drizzle, um, but it's that grace that if we accept him and acknowledge our sin and turn to him, we can't escape from. But in a sense... If we just talk about grace, that grace, in a way, is, is not automatic. We have to acknowledge our sin and accept that grace so that grace can be poured out on top of us. And it's amazing. Grace, faith, and love can save us from the punishment that, that Paul uh, talks about in other letters as, as well. And then finally, <clears throat> so I've run out of time, if not running. Um, the response to all this, well, there are lots of responses throughout this passage. Um, first of all, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> no, you've drunk from that. Um, first, first of all, we can serve God. And Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. So if we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, we can serve him. It's our job to serve him. It's our job to praise him. Uh, the, the last verse, in verse, sorry, verse 17, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, we should be praising God um, for, uh, for this grace that's poured out on us. And that's why the first hymn was great, wasn't it? Praise the Lord, the King of heaven. We can praise him. That's our job, to praise God, to serve God. And that if we do that, God will provide us with the strength. He gave Paul the strength to serve him. Even though he was the worst of sinners, he gave him the strength to serve him and considered him trustworthy to be able to serve him. And we must acknowledge that, that being a Christian isn't easy either. I'm, I haven't really dealt with verses... 18 to, to, to 20. They're, they're, maybe you could talk about those in the home group. But basically, Paul says, look, being a Christian, I've saved you. Yeah, my grace is poured out on you. But there is still a battle to fight. And you still have to hold on to the faith. You still have to work at serving me and showing your love for me. So, that's an amazing passage that Paul has, and I've only just touched the surface of it. But God came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And that's not a bad verse for us to say, meditating on each of those words, that God has saved us. Amen. Thank you, James, very much indeed. <clears throat> uh,
Towards the end, James was uh, talking about amazing grace, wasn't he, and the uh, abundant grace poured out upon us in Christ Jesus. So we're going to sing uh, the hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound of Saved a Wretch Like Me. Would you like to stand to sing together? Please do remain standing, and we're going to join in and uh, say the creed together, and that will be on the screen. So let's join in and announce what we believe together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Do be seated. I'm going to lead us in some prayers of intercession now. And when I say, God, in your unfading love, please would you respond, hear our prayer. God, in your unfailing love, hear our prayer. Liberating, wonderful God, in love you have set us free. Free from slavery to sin and self. Free to know and love you. Free to follow and serve you. We praise you for your faithful love towards us and for the many ways you have demonstrated that love to us. We see your love in the natural world around us, in the sky and trees and rivers. We see your love in the gift of your commandments, the rules for living that guide us into right relationship with you and with the people around us. And we see your love in Jesus Christ, who lived and died to bring us life. Because we have experienced your love, we come before you with confidence, bringing before you our needs and the needs of our world. God, in your unfailing love, hear our prayer. We pray for those who live surrounded by violence, whether from war or political unrest or crime or domestic abuse. We pray for those who have been victims of violent crime and for those whose loved ones have been injured or murdered. God, in your unfailing love, hear our prayer. We pray for our homes and families for parents juggling the responsibilities of work and family, for husbands and wives whose marriages may be breaking down, for children struggling under parental authority or expectations, for men and women caught up in wrong 
relationships. God, in your unfailing love, hear our prayer. We pray for the many, many people in our world who do not yet know you or acknowledge you, who haven't yet experienced the new life that comes from knowing you, Christ Jesus, who continue to search for purpose and meaning. God, in your unfailing love, hear our prayer. Merciful God, give us strength and courage to keep your commandments, to live in faithful obedience to your will. Guard our hearts and minds from all that might distract us from living out our commitment to you. Help us to find our true worth in knowing you more fully and serving you more faithfully. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And so we go to share the peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We meet in the name of Christ, and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. So let's share the peace, mindful, of course, of those who want to keep some distance. So we'll sing our offertory hymn, Broken for Me.
Father, we thank you for your gifts poured out upon us. And we pray, Lord, that as we serve you with our lives and serve you with our gifts, that you would build up your body to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. using Eucharistic Prayer B. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, we give you thanks and praise through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your living word, through whom you have created all things, who was sent by you in your great goodness to be our Saviour. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he took flesh as your Son, born of the Blessed Virgin. He lived on earth and went about among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross. He put an end to death by dying for us and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and won for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name forever praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the source of all holiness. Grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit these gifts may, according to your will, be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in the same night as he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so, Father, calling to mind his death on the cross, his perfect sacrifice made once for the sins of the whole world, rejoicing in his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension and looking for his coming in glory, we celebrate this memorial of our redemption. As we offer you this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we bring before you this bread and this cup and we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Send the Holy Spirit on your people and gather into one in your kingdom all who share this one bread and one cup so that we in the company of all the saints may praise and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
All honor and glory be yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. As our Savior has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. So we continue our custom of sharing the bread from the middle table, the wine from either side, and the non-alcoholic wine will be on that side of the chair. Thank you. 
And so we'll pray together this prayer following the communion. It's going to be on the screen as well. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. John uh, came to share with me, uh, just before we share communion, um, some news um, of um, Maybe going on ahead. A couple, John and Sada. John and Sada, whose son is seriously ill in Japan. Um, they've just heard this morning. So I think it's right to lift uh, John and Sada and the family to, to the Lord now. So let's do that now, shall we? Father, we lift John and Sada to you and uh, the news they've had of their son seriously ill in Japan. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, heal this man, uh, their son. Father, uh, John and Son are a long way from their son at this time, and they will no doubt be very worried. Uh, Father, we pray that you would pour out your peace upon them, that uh, you would, uh, that they would know, Lord, that uh, their son is, he is with, being protected by you, Lord. We don't know the situation particularly, but Lord, we know that you are the great healer. And so, Father, we pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon Tom right now. Give him peace through time and healing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing a hymn that reminds us that God is indeed faithful always. Faithful in every situation. Great is thy faithfulness. O oh God, my Father. Let's stand and sing.
And so a blessing as we go. Go from here as witnesses of what you have seen and heard. Share God's love with those you meet. Bring hope to those who are in despair. Live lives of gratitude and praise. And may the love of God, the peace of Jesus Christ, and the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit be within you and amongst you until we meet again. Amen. And so we go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ.